Well, we've been uh, going through this sermon series during uh, during the season of Lent, covering a, a number of, of the Psalms. And, and one of the things that, that I have begun to see about the Psalms that I always find really interesting, really intriguing, is, is the way the Psalms will take something that is very individual and particular and sort of expand it out and, and make it universal. Now, what I mean by that is, is often what you'll see taking place in the Psalms is, is one of the psalmists will identify or, or write and sing and pray about a particular act of God's redemption, His mercy, His grace unfolding in history. And they'll take and they'll expand that out and, and apply it not just to that situation, but really the whole of human history. So you see the psalmist recount God's acts of, of redemption when He rescued His people out of Egypt. And they'll expand that out and they'll make it universal, inviting all of creation to come and declare God's goodness and, and His mercy and His grace. In fact, that's really what we see taking place in our psalm for today that we sang earlier, Psalm 107. The psalm, it, it takes particular instances of God's redemption and it uses them as reason for all people, every single person on the face of the earth, to come and sing God's praises. Psalm 107, it begins like this in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. These are probably very familiar words to many of us. And those words, steadfast love there, they're the Hebrew words chesed. And the Hebrew word chesed has to do most often with God's covenant. The promises that He made to His people Israel. The promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The promises made to Israel at Mount Sinai. The promise then made again to His servant David, promising that He would have a son who would sit on the throne forever. This covenant, this promise, that is God's steadfast love. And the psalmist here is inviting all people to praise God for this love, for this covenant love. To praise God because He is a God who does not forget His promises. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. I find it interesting here that trouble is quite literally from the hand of the enemy. Trouble here is not sort of generic difficulty in life. Rather, trouble here is a personal oppressor, an enemy, an evildoer, perhaps even the very enemy of God, Satan. Let the redeemed, those who God has rescued from the hand of His enemy, Satan, let them say so. Because He has gathered them in, verse 3, gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, He's gathered them from everywhere. All people here are being invited, exhorted even, to come and sing God's praises because He is good, His mercy, His promises. They never fail. They endure forever. All of us invited to come and, and sing God's praises for His goodness. And then what the psalmist does throughout the rest of this psalm it cites four different examples of the way that God has worked redemption. 
He, he speaks about God working redemption when His people were lost and, and wandering in a wilderness. Psalmist speaks of, of God working redemption when they were in bondage and slavery. Speaks of God working redemption when people were afflicted with, with a bodily sickness. And then finally, he speaks of God working redemption when his people were sort of lost in a storm at sea. And together, what these sort of image, what these images become for us are really kind of these images or metaphors for the human condition marred by sin. We get these different pictures of the way that God has worked rescue by forgiving us and redeeming us out of sin. And the one in particular that we look at today that we sang earlier is what begins in verse 17, this metaphor for sin, which is maybe a little bit strange metaphor for us at times, is this metaphor of sin as a sickness or affliction of of the body, a disease. The psalmist says this, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. So the affliction, this disease that they've received, it's because of their own sin and foolishness and rebellion. It's punishment. It says they loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. So the affliction, the disease is so bad, they don't want to eat. They've drawn close to death and would prefer to just simply die rather than go on living. It began as as foolishness. It began as rebellion, but very quickly it turned into this disease, this affliction from which God's people simply could not heal themselves. Now, I think most of the time we think of sin solely as that picture of foolishness and rebellion. This picture of, of human beings knowing God's will and resisting it. Turning against the ways of God fleeing from Him and and following the lusts and the inclinations of their hearts. But it's not all that often that I find that that Lutherans in particular speak of sin as a disease, as a sickness, as an illness or, or affliction of the body that we simply cannot heal ourselves from. But actually, if you look at a lot of our Lutheran writings, this picture of sin as a disease is very clear in there. Take, for example, the the Augsburg Confession, perhaps the the most primary Lutheran confessional writing. It's one of the, the writings that I actually took vows to preach in accord with. And I took that vow because I believe that it teaches in accord with what Scripture teaches. And listen to what Article 2 of the Augsburg Confession, writing about original sin, says about sin. It writes, It is taught among us that since the fall of Adam, all human beings who are born in the natural way are conceived and born in sin. This means that from birth they are full of evil lust and inclination and cannot by nature possess true fear of God and true faith in God, Moreover, this same innate disease and original sin or hereditary sin is truly sin and condemns to God's eternal wrath all who are not in turn born anew through baptism and the Holy Spirit. Is sin rebellion? Yes. Is sin a sickness 
a disease, an affliction that we suffer from and cannot heal ourselves? Yes. And I think most of us have experienced both of these. We've seen the ways that sin, it maybe began as rebellion, but before we knew it, we experienced it as an affliction, as a disease, something we could not escape, something we simply could not heal ourselves of. Perhaps it began as as simply a desire to pursue a life of of pleasure and enjoyment, whether it was through sex or alcohol or, or any number of things in which we've tried to find pleasure. And it, and it just began as just looking for a little bit of fun. But before long, it, it turned into a disease, something we couldn't free ourselves from. We're afflicted with self-loathing and shame. Something that we simply just couldn't wash off. Sin is rebellion. But sin is also an affliction. It's a disease of which we're incapable of curing ourselves. Or maybe it begins just as a desire to achieve great things, to be known by our accomplishments. But before long, we've, we've burned every bridge. We've ruined countless relationships because of selfishness. And suddenly we find ourselves lonely and empty and broken began in foolish rebellion, but it quickly turned into a disease, an affliction, an emptiness we couldn't cure or fill. It makes me think of, of what we read in our Old Testament lesson this morning from Numbers chapter 21. God's people, they're wandering through the wilderness. And as God's people kind of tend to do throughout the scriptures and even today, They begin to grumble and complain. They begin to rebel against God. And as punishment for their rebellion, God sends these fiery serpents and they're bit by the serpents. And as this poison begins to pulse through their veins, God's people begin to recognize their helplessness. They recognize their sin and their mistakes and they go to Moses and cry out. They say, Moses, go to God. We have sinned. We need his healing. We're helpless. They cry out to God, and what does God do? He looks upon his people, and even though their sickness was what they deserved, he treats them with his compassion. He shows his love and his kindness, and he tells Moses, lift up a bronze serpent upon a pole. When the people look upon the serpent, immediately they're healed. Their affliction is taken away. God's people cry out in the midst of their sickness. The sickness may have been what they deserve, but God's compassion overwhelms his judgment. And he heals them. Psalm 107, verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. 
So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Even when sickness, even when affliction, even when the poison of sin is precisely what we deserve, God hears us when we cry out to him. And he responds in his love and he heals us. He forgives us. His compassion overwhelms his judgment and he brings healing. I brought with me today uh, what has become uh, one of my most favorite things in the world. Uh, It's a children's Bible. And, and I know many of, of the families here at Lamb of God use it. Um, and I feel like I talk about it all the time. Um, it's written by a delightful British woman uh, by the name of Sally Lloyd-Jones. Um, and I actually had a chance to meet her at a conference about a month ago. And I met her and I just, I just gushed like a child about how much <laughs> I love this book and how much my daughter loves this book. And, and I was just so thankful for the way that she takes story after story in Scripture and points them to Jesus. But one of the other things that I love about this book is is the way that in this children's Bible, she doesn't shy away from the difficult portions of Scripture. She doesn't gloss over the unpleasant stories. And for good reason, too, because it's oftentimes in the most unpleasant pieces and truths of Scripture that we also find the most beautiful proclamation of God's promises. And so I want to read a portion of this this morning. This is from her retelling of, of Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Jesus walked ahead alone into the dark. He needed to talk to his heavenly Father. He knew it was time for him to die. They had planned it long ago, he and his father. Jesus was going to take the punishment for all the wrong things anybody had ever done or ever would do. Papa, Father, Jesus cried, and he fell to the ground. Is there any other way to get your children back, to heal their hearts, to get rid of the poison? But Jesus knew there was no other way. All the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. God was going to pour into Jesus' heart all the sadness and brokenness in people's hearts. He was going to pour into Jesus' body all the sickness in people's bodies. God was going to have to blame his son for everything that had gone wrong. It would crush Jesus. God poured out all of the sin all of the poison in our hearts, all of the sickness that we experience onto Jesus. So that you and I wouldn't receive the judgment, the sickness, the poison that we deserve, but rather we would be healed. As Jesus speaks to to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he points to what God is going to do on the cross by pointing back to that instance of God's people wandering in the wilderness. And they rebelled, and they were afflicted with poison. 
They cried out to God and God heard them and he lifted up that serpent. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, just like that, just as God lifted up the serpent in the desert, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up so that all men might have eternal life. Why? Because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, wouldn't die, wouldn't suffer the sickness of sin, even though it's what we deserved, but instead receive eternal life. The sun was lifted up so we would be cured of the sickness. So that our rebellion would not be held against us. The sun was lifted up so that you and I would be healed of our affliction. We would be cured of the disease. So that the things that rip apart the human life would be overwhelmed and overcome in Jesus. Because on the cross, God's love, His compassion, have overcome and overwhelmed His judgment upon sin. And it's there that we receive healing and eternal life. You know, I suspect that that most of us, we we come to worship today and, and most days experiencing something of a sickness. Maybe it's sickness that you feel like you deserve because of past mistakes. You feel alone. You feel empty. You feel shame. And maybe you just feel like, you know what? I am reaping what I've sown. Or maybe it's a sickness that that you don't know how it got there. Maybe it's depression or or anxiety or something that rips your life apart and and you're not sure why, but you suspect that maybe, maybe you did something wrong. Whatever it is, whatever the reason, cry out to God. Because time and time again, our God shows that when his children cry out to him, he hears them. He hears our cries when we're suffering the afflictions of sin. He looks with compassion upon his helpless children who are sick with this disease. He looks upon you the same way you would look upon your child who's, who's vomiting with the flu. That you would do anything to see your child well. He has given up everything and anything just to see your healing, just to see you set free from the affliction of sin and death. Cry out to God. Because time and time again, He promises that He will hear you. Because his steadfast covenant love, his promises endure forever. And I can't promise you'll be healed today or tomorrow or a year from now. But what I can promise is this. God hears you. And God has already done everything to bring about your healing. 
Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not even in this lifetime. But when He comes again and brings His healing for all creation, your cries will be turned to shouts of praise. Your longing to be healed will turn into that song, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And His steadfast love, His covenant love and faithfulness endures forever. Amen?